Hello, my name is Shelby Saratella, and for my Contemporary Gothic Digital Conference presentation, I will be talking about the nature of fear in The Outsider. So first, I would just like to go over a brief overview of The Outsider. There is two different forms that I will be talking about. The first being the novel, which was written by Stephen King and released in 2018. And the second version being the film adaptation released on HBO in 2020. Um, however, the main storyline between the two remains pretty consistent. Um, basically, there this man, Terry Maitland, he's the main character and he has a doppelganger and he is falsely accused of a crime that his doppelganger commits. It's a really horrible, horrific crime. Um, this doppelganger brutally murders a young boy and Terry is falsely accused of this and he and his family face terrible consequences because of this. And just a little bit more about doppelgangers in the Gothic in general. Doppelgangers have long been included in the Gothic tradition. Um, one of the most well-known Gothic novellas is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which was released in the 1800s. Um, in this story, there's an also a doppelganger, but this doppelganger is able to act with impunity, so he's not punished for any of his actions. However, this, this novel and this TV show flips this paradigm on its head. The, um, the man who is being impersonated. He faces terrible consequences as well as his family does too. So throughout this presentation I will be talking about how the nature of the fear between the two, uh, the two versions from the novel to the film version is drastically different and why that is. So first I'd like to talk about the nature of fear in the novel. So doppelgangers like I said before, have always been included in Gothic novels. They're not a new topic. And just the idea of a doppelganger has been around for hundreds of years, going as far back as ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, uh, ancient Greece and North, Norse mythology. Um, for example, even in Celtic mythology, there is an example um, of a servant of death named Anku. Um, and he was often mistaken as the doppelganger of death. So they've always been included and it's not a new concept. And for this reason, many times doppelgangers and these devils are associated with bad omens. It was even said that if you see your doppelganger, you will soon die. Or if you see your family's doppelganger, they will die soon. So there has always been a bad feeling and bad omens surrounding the idea of doppelgangers. And in the novel, this is really this is portrayed well, and Stephen King does a really good job of portraying to like this primal instinctive fear of doppelgangers that has been around for hundreds of years. And this primal instinctive fear is the basis of the fear of this whole novel. Um, and I even have a quote here that says, doppelganger characters tend to be associated with the evil and the demonic. Thus one can infer that the doppelganger presents a notion of the subject subjectivity that is defective, disjunct, split, threatening, or spectral. So as you can see here, obviously doppelgangers are not associated with good things. They're uh, associated with evil and demonic characteristics. So this bad omen, this bad feeling for surrounding doppelgangers has been present for hundreds of years and is still present today. And this is what uh, this novel appeals to. So another quote here, uh, it says, many dual bodies in modern literature violate the most cherished of all human unities, the unity of character. 
drawing attention to its relative nature and its ideological assumptions. Like its mythical predecessor, the devil in modern literature hollows out the real, revealing its absence, its great other, its unspoken, or its seen. So another reason that doppelgangers and doubles just scare so many of us and have this instinctive fear that we have is because of this, this resulting loss of individualism and autonomy that can result from seeing your doppelganger or feel, uh, being replaced by a doppelganger in some extreme cases. Um, so it's really an, an instinctive fear in us is losing our autonomy and losing our individualism. And this is what doppelgangers do. The idea of doppelgangers do it. It shows us that we're really not as autonomous or individualistic as we originally thought. So this scares many of us. And again, leads to instinctive primal fear that really, um, which is what this novel, the novel version revolves around. So the Gothic genre also typically deals with the Heimlich and the Unheimlich, which, or in better terms, the homely or safe, as opposed to the unhomely or unsafe. And the Gothic usually, it deals between the boundary between the two and how sometimes the boundary can become blurred. And this is no exception to the contemporary Gothic. The the, the Heimlich and the Unheimlich is really, really um, strong in this novel. Um, so for example, many uh, times seeing a doppelganger is, has been associated with mental illness. Um, for example, hiatoscopy is a psychic illusory uh, visual experience consisting of the perception of the image of one's own body or face within space. So basically this topic or this mental illness is seeing your doppelganger, but it's really just an illusion. And this is a, it can, has been linked to schizophrenia and many other types of mental disorders. So it's very, um, and it's uh, very rare as well. So many people don't talk about it and it's not really that well known. So um, mental illness in general is just kind of a taboo subject. It's very, not really, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. It's hard for many people to talk about. So this kind of, it, this is related to the Heimlich and the Unheimlich and the mental illness in a way you could think about it as something other inside your body, inside yourself or your mind and your yourself your mind is supposed to be the most well-known the most heimlich thing that there is so if there's something other other inside of it inside of your mind or your body it's very uncomfortable and it's very frightening to think about and this really turns it into the unheimlich um, which is very similar to doppelgangers because there is something you're supposed to be uh yourself there's nothing more safe than yourself or more well-known than yourself but if there's someone or something that looks like you and acts like you or thinks like you but isn't you that's very frightening and it's very it's disorienting and it's very unheimlich instead of heimlich like it normally should be and as you see in my quote on the bottom it says the less that we talk about mental illness though the more other it becomes and the less we're able or willing to offer those in the midst of it the more our fear increases so the other really ties into the Unheimlich aspect of the Gothic. Like the other is supposedly what is the unsafe, the unknown, like the really uncomfortable position. 
And this is very similar to mental illness. Many people are uncomfortable talking about it. And the less that we talk about it, the more otherized, the more polarized it becomes. So it really just keeps getting more and more uh, otherized in our minds, making it very scary. So therefore, this connection to mental illness and yaroscopy really also um, appeals to the primal fear of doppelgangers because seeing one is related to uh, mental illness and which in mental illness is a taboo and uncomfortable subject for many people so this really also plays to the instinctive fear that many people face so finally i'd like to talk about a close reading analysis of a passage in the book it says he leaned forward this is talking about the doppelganger or the outsider as they call it in this book Black hair, black eyes, not just on her, but in her, searching her heart and mind. It says must, you told her. he told her. You see that, don't you? So the repetition of the black hair, the black eyes, really portrays like the darkness. It emphasizes the darkness of him. And like doppelgangers himself, darkness is often associated with bad omens and bad, horrible events. So this is really showing that this outsider is not is not a good person or thing, whatever he is, um, he's not good. And even though that this doppelganger, this outsider, has just he's just asking a woman a question in this passage, but she's so scared that she can't even finish her word. She says, she just has to repeat the beginning of the word yes. So this, I think, is a very brilliant move by Stephen King because it shows that not the people inside the novel are just as frightened by the doppelganger or the outsider as the people outside the novel are. And it really shows that even though this outsider didn't do anything, people are still so frightened by him. And this also, again, um, appeals to the instinctive fear that many people feel um, from these doubles. So therefore, the novel really appeals to the primal fear of doppelgangers. Now I'd like to talk about the nature of fear in the show. So from 2019 to 2020, there was a 32% increase in men being worried about being falsely accused of sexual assault, largely due to the beginning of the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement is when many people came forward about their sexual um, assault or harassments that they had faced in the past. And while this is a good thing as many of these events are coming to light and people are being held accountable, People are now more worried than ever about being falsely accused of a crime. And this, this switch in our, the cultural context of our society is, it also occurs in the show. So instead of people being just simply scared, instinctively scared of a doppelganger, um, the show really plays to the fear that many people face of being falsely accused of a crime and the consequences that can result from this, not only for yourself, but for your family and friends as well. And um, obviously from 2019 to 2020, a 32% increase in one year, that's a very, very large change. Um, so many people today are very scared of it and the, the, the video, the TV show really uh, plays to this fear and it really emphasizes this as well. Um, so now I'd like to show a scene from the show quickly.
So this scene from the show um, is Terry, the main character's wife, talking about the consequences that she has faced and her family has faced from Terry's false accusation. Terry was actually killed very on, very early on in the season, um, in the beginning of episode two, not even 10 minutes in. And the rest of the season shows the consequences that his family um, faces. And also, he's even though he's dead, he's still facing consequences because people think that he's a murderer, even though he isn't. So again, this the show really emphasizes the effects that can happen from a false accusation and how people are really scared of that now. Like, as Marcy says in here, um, she, they've lost their safety. She can't get her kids to school safely anymore. They don't have any friends. And even if they move, it, it will follow them. So it's very scary to think about something like this could happen. Um, it's possible that it could happen, a false accusation. Um, and the effects are, can be really disastrous. So the show transitions from just the instinctive fear to the fear of what can happen because of a false accusation such as this. So also arising from the Me Too movement uh, was the beginning of cancel culture, which is an act of public shaming or withdrawing of support for figures or companies after they've done something offensive or questionable. And oftentimes, especially for celebrities, the cancel culture has really wide reaching impacts and it makes it very difficult to move on um, in someone's life, even to apologize if they have done this. Or, and cancel culture doesn't discriminate. If they are, if they haven't done these things, but they're accused of it, they can still become canceled and the effects still take hold and take over their life. Um, one example right now is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, Amber Heard accused Johnny Depp of multiple accounts of domestic violence and he was canceled by many of his fans. He was even removed from many of his roles uh, in movies. And recently some new information has come to light and right now it's not, it's no one's sure if he has committed these things or not, but even though he's still facing the consequences and um, it's reaching into all aspects of his life. So this shows that a false accusation can have really disastrous consequences, uh, not only for the person themselves, but also for the people that they're close to. And many people today are scared of this, more scared of this than they are of just the primal fear of doppelgangers. So in a conclusion, I'd just like to talk about the frequency of these false accusations. Um, a recent report has shown that the false reporting is anywhere between 2% and 6%. So obviously that's not a very large number. Um, and it's very interesting, therefore, that many people are so scared of these false accusations because really it's, there's not many instances of this. And this is something really very interesting about the power of the sphere and also about the psychology behind it. Um, there's something called the availability heuristic or the availability bias which is the when people are making a decision or um, thinking about something um, they it's a mental shortcut that relies on immediate examples that come to mind when evaluating such a topic or a decision so for example plane crashes plane crashes really don't ha happen that often but when they do they receive a lot of publicity and press about it so there's more examples that are available in people's minds causing them to overestimate the frequency at which these occur and to figure planes at a higher rate. Um, this is very similar to what's happening in this case I believe 
even though that these false accusations don't happen that often, the amount of publicity and media coverage, especially for like these high profile cases such as Johnny Depp, um, really, it really applies to this availability heuristic because people now have more examples that are available in their mind when they think about it, which causes them to fear it even more than they did before. Um, so even though there's really not that much data to support that this happens all that much, just like plane crashes. So in my opinion, the more that the, the media keeps covering these high profile cases such as this, the more people are going to feel it, fear it because the more um, examples they'll have in their mind, just like these plane crashes. Um, but I think it's worth diving deeper into the reason, the rationality behind the fear to see where it comes from. And, um, it's kind of like a boogeyman themselves, like they fear their pre the presence, but it's really not a real presence. It's, uh, they just fear something that's not even there. Um, so therefore, I, the nature of the fear in the outsider changes dramatically, even in two years. Um, it goes from, in the novel, the, the primal fear, the instinctive fear behind Japanese that many people face, to, in the show, the fear of the false accusations and what it can mean for you and your family. And this has been based just um, on events in our, the, our cultural context, such as the Me Too movement, cancel culture, and many other events such as this. Thank you very much for listening to my presentation. I hope you all have a wonderful day.